Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hey there, this is Cheryl. Today is an extremely special day. We are here with Deanna Ransom, who is the President and Executive Director of Women in Revenue. Deanna, I'm so excited that you're here, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule. Cheryl, thank you so much for having me. I mean, leader to leader, I know how busy we both are, but it is truly a pleasure to be here and represent Women in Revenue. So before we jump into all of the incredible things that you're doing and how you're really shifting an entire vertical, if I can say that, I mean, don't be shy because I think you're really doing that. I believe it 100%. But let's talk a little bit about you know, how did you get there? What inspired you to greatness? You know, are there any stories or people uh, that the the little or younger Deanna experience that really propelled you to your greatness today? You know, it's funny you ask. And, and little Deanna was better known as Dee Dee by her family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched my mother. And what I saw her do is a big piece of how I got here today. And when I was younger, I watched her go back to get her doctorate degree. And I watched her do that while taking care of my sisters, my brother and I, you know, owning and taking care of the home, working full time and running her business. And, you know, I, she was single parent family, right? So to me, she was superwoman. And I remember going and saying to her one day, no, why are you doing all of this? Like, this looks hard. Um, And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, I'm doing this so that I can make the world better for you, for those that I love, and for those that I love, although I may never get to meet them. And for me, that was inspiration to always think of the big picture to value others and to pursue education and um, to take risks. She left an indelible mark on thousands of people through her work over the years as a leader, as an educator, and watching her do all of that in the face of so many obstacles while facing pushback. It inspired me to be fearless, determined, and to believe in myself when others did not. So she's the Shiro of my story of why I'm sitting here today. Wow, like living proof, because you're like, well, it's been done before. So it's like maybe a- it's possible. Maybe, and I think maybe that sustains you on your hardest day when you're like, this is not possible, not possible, not happening. You're like, wait a minute, it's been done before. Well, it's been done, and, and then you have where people will say to you, you know, how could you do all of that? I would hear people say, how, how can you do that? And one of the most important things, and this was my grandmother. My grandmother used to say, stop thinking about how to do it and get it done. <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, move in action instead of trying to figure it all out. And if you take action, how to do it can come to you as you're in motion. Yes, 100%. Vision first, 
kind of proceed as if success is inevitable. I have those stickers all over the place. So I'm right there with your grandmother, 100%. Sounds like she was world-class uh, and love it. had really great role models. And again, before we talk about your role as president and executive director, it hasn't been an easy path to get there. So I'm wondering if you can share a little bit of light on your, your journey, your setbacks, some of the challenges that you've had and how you managed to overcome them. Yeah, you know, I'm going to speak candidly because I'm hoping it can be, um, you know, fuel for someone else. And part of that is, you know, along my journey as a black woman in tech, um, I've had a tremendous number of, of setbacks, both personally and in my career. Uh, I recall about four, we're coming up on 14 years next in a couple of months where, you know, I became a widow and I had three small children at that time. And so imagine what the world looks like where, you know, this is pre-COVID where everyone was learning to work from home. And I really needed some level of flexibility while my husband was in ICU, how to care for the children and be able to support the family at the same time. And, you know, when he passed, that shifted to, oh my goodness, I am the sole provider, right? And I have three small children I need to raise and I need to work and I need to be good at my job. And, you know, I don't want to sit out, so to speak. And so those types of, of setbacks, and it was a different world then, Cheryl. Um, now we are talking about flexibility and working from home. But at that time, that was not a thing. Um, and so I was super fortunate to be able to, to do that. But it was hard. It was very hard. And, you know, to find yourself as a young widow with three young children and the need to continue not just to financially support them, but the mental and emotional support that they needed during that loss. I oftentimes found myself not putting myself in my own story because I needed to be able to do my job well because I needed to support my family. I needed to be strong for them, right? So that I could be their, their rock and, and, and to guide them and be a parent. And so I've faced those kinds of setbacks. I've had layoffs over the course of my career. So now add to that, I am the sole provider who takes these life hits on top of it and the anguish of how am I going to now be able to continue to take care of them and I've got to go find another role. And everyone knows that finding a role is a full-time job. Yeah. It can be a job in 100%. itself, yeah. right? And I thought of other women, right? And how we have so many different roles, so many different um, pulls and hats that we wear. And that has always been a big piece of why I have maintained work that supported women. But if you think about those life hits and how you've had to navigate them those are the things that made me stronger. I became determined not to allow a setback to become the final piece of my story. I'm not going to say I got it all right, but I am going to say I found a way to get it done. 
Yeah. And I think that's a quote. I think you should write that down. But we'll make sure to get the transcript to you. I think there's going to be a lot of amazing quotes in this transcript. But one thing I really wanted to spotlight that you said that is so very important that you had to advocate for a flexible uh, work, you know, uh, work schedule before it was flexible work schedule was a thing. You know, I don't think hybrid work was even a term then. And so if you were able to do that and, you know, for anyone watching, you know, at least now that hybrid work is a term, it's being talked about, it's being honored in some companies, but it might be possible, or maybe you're going to gain inspiration from this, that maybe you're living with someone who's immunocompromised. Maybe you have to care for someone in the morning and at lunch or when you take a break and when you're done with work or so what I'm getting at is, you know, maybe you will be inspired and have some hope to advocate for a flexible work schedule, even if you're being told otherwise. So I just wanted to really highlight that because you had to be your own advocate when the, the path was a little more difficult. Yeah, I didn't even know I was being an advocate. Let me be very transparent. Um, if you go back and I'll just touch on this very quickly. Uh, Women in Revenue does an annual survey every year. And my organization learned in this last survey, and I'm going to give you um, maybe the top three out of the top five challenges. Um, the number one challenge was compensation. The number two challenge was work-life balance. Now, I just want to pause you for a second. These are the top challenges for women in the workplace, right? Yes, these top challenges were noted by over almost 3,000 women that took our survey, right, wow. in these revenue generating roles. And so touching on that work-life balance, I can genuinely go back to the, to the place of recognizing it's a top challenge today at that time when it wasn't even a conversation point, right? Here I was experiencing it in its rawest, most painful form, losing my spouse, needing to care for the kids, needing to provide for the family. I'm again, I love that we can advocate now. And I have the word for what it was at that time. But at that time, it was survival. It was how can I get this to work? And you know, going and having difficult conversations was part of it. But the other part of it was also, I did take on an extra added burden of, but I felt like I needed to be two to three times better at my job. I felt like there was a need to prove why they should support giving me that flexibility yeah, and I just want to pause that there because I'm sure there are a lot of other people that feel the same way, you know, if they're women in the workplace or if they're, um, you know, further marginalized within our gender. That's in, you know, the report that the research that you did, it's all over the McKinsey report. So it's just an, you know, it's a fact these days. And so I wanted to parlay that into another question and, and say, what would Deanna now advise her younger self in other words her you know when you were earlier in your career and you were trying to find your way 
what advice would you give her right now that would have made it a little bit easier? My, the first thing that comes to mind that I wish I had done was to reach out for help sooner. I um, will share transparently that you didn't see many women that looked like me in tech as I was coming up. And so I always, at, at during that time, I wasn't sure who to reach out to for support and for help and to get advice. You know, who can I go to that's going to understand? Remember, at that time, remember, we had this partition between your personal life mm -hmm. and your work life. And so at that time, bringing your personal issues into work was a no-no, right? I'm so glad to see this shifting now to understand that that more and more organizations are genuinely understanding your people are your best asset and therefore investing in them is your best investment, right? And so that makes me excited for where we are today. But at that time, it didn't exist. So I would have told my younger self, reach out for help sooner. Those who would not give you the help, so be it. But I would have found additional support that maybe could have made it a little less painful for me at that time. And maybe I'd be even further than I am, right? Who knows? But reach out for help sooner. That is such an important message. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, women taking even more personal responsibility of speaking up and being heard and asking for help. And a lot of times, you know, we talked before we came live about, before we came on live about cultural indoctrinations and about um, how we weren't necessarily told or what it wasn't really approved for us to, you know, ask for help or just kind of suck it up or, you know, to be strong and that type of thing. And so, you know, that is incredibly important. You know, we were sometimes brought up to like, don't be a nuisance, don't be bothersome, especially to men, you know, and that type of thing. So I think that advice of ask for help sooner is so important. And I will say what I've witnessed personally and from either clients or, you know, one-on-one -on -one or group clients or even the stages that I've been on is that more people than not are willing to help. And even the people that you think, oh my gosh, I really would love to ask that person, but not in a million years, just ask. You know, even if you, yeah. And you know, it's interesting you brought up the cultural indoctrination piece and, you know, I would even go one layer deeper again. Um, as a black woman in tech, and I went from sales into marketing, right? Those are revenue generating roles. And so there's already a one layer of, um, you know, just getting more women into those roles. And then number two, think about the time frame. And I was, a black woman in one of those roles and from a cultural piece um, to your point around, you know, not wanting to uh, bring in personal issues so that you're not perceived as a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a, that's a pretty heavy load to carry or, you know, worse yet um, 
think about what we now openly talk about around things like microaggressions, mm -hmm. right? Um, biases. We say these things now. We didn't talk about them then, but that they were there and they were present. And so, you know, always um, having somewhere in, in your, your mind and your mental Rolodex, you have to be double, triple careful, mm -hmm. right? Like, whereas others could go and do this, 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 if I did it, right, it could be perceived differently. So there was that extra layer right? Um, that was present. That was part of why I did not necessarily reach out as early as I could have or should have. And we now talk about emotional intelligence, right? Read the room. Mm -hmm. Understand who's in your presence. You also needed to have that emotional intelligence because even as I say, reach out and ask for help earlier, you still need to have enough emotional intelligence to know who to reach out to, to ask for that help, right? Because everyone isn't your friend. Everyone is not your supporter, right? And so you do need to have a sense of self-awareness. But I would not, in that time, again, I'd still go back and say, ask for the help sooner. Get the help that you can and, you know, navigate the rest. Yes. No, like give yourself permission. You know, it's like you're not being a nuisance. You're not, you know, it, it's almost if you can flip that and think if I don't get help, then who else does it impact if I can't actualize my highest sense of leadership? And uh, so along those lines, and we're talking about the, re the great, you know, renegotiation for women in the workplace and having a bigger voice and renegotiating, you know, what we want and deserve. Um, you know, let's just say that you didn't negotiate what was important to you. And I know you didn't think it was negotiating because it was survival. And a lot of times the people that achieve the most in life, their back is up, like they are backed into a corner because you don't have the, like fears, you might have fear, but you bust through it because you have to. Um, so if you are thinking about that and if you were not able to do what you did and, you know, ask for help, keep going and all of these things, that wouldn't clearly not be great for you. But how would it impact others? You know, how would it have impacted your family? How would it have impacted your workplace and how you role model for other women coming behind you? No. And, you know, that's a great question. And, and part of that is there's the one that's very obvious, right? The obvious is if you don't bust through it, then you can't take care of your family. You know what happens from there, right? It begins to cascade. And to your point, um, I, I don't have or I did not have this, um, maybe the same cushion or level of support that others had, right? So for me, it was a matter of I must. There was, there was no option. Right. But besides my my immediate family that I had care for both financially and in every other way, there was also I've always done, you know, volunteer work, whether it was in shelters or, you know, leading in other nonprofit organizations that were focused on women. I truly believe that if you support a woman, 
you support the world, right? We, we kind of bring life into the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's another ha- quote. If you support a woman, you support the world. I'll be pulling that one out. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, I'm, get me. You're I don't like want- a quote. You're a quote factory right now. Okay, keep going. But it, it's it's so true, and and part of that is, I feel like we as women are this. We are such an invaluable presence, and you know, when you think about what that impact was if i couldn't be there for my sisters my nieces my girlfriends folks who were looking at me and i've been uh, genuinely uh, honored when others have come to me and shared something that i've said or something that i've done that was inspirational to them and that goes back to that imprint that legacy right that my mom talked about those who you love those who you care for, and those who you will love, whether you get to meet them or not. We don't even get to meet all of the people that we get to have impact on. And so for me, had I not been able to bust through that, I'm not here having this conversation with you today. I'm not able to share and support others and build and amplify them. And I'm not able to sit in rooms and create spaces so that those who are next to me, before me and beside me can celebrate and continue to reshape those spaces so that more women like us can carry on the work. Yeah, so I wanna celebrate all the lives that you've already touched and the future ones that are coming. And also for anyone listening, really taking a moment to think about the impact that you've already had and the lives that you've touched. And this is such an important point. And of course, you know, me being the mental toughness and high performance coach, I have to ask you what mindset tool has really helped you, you know, to be mentally tough. So has it been emotional agility? Has it been fearlessness? And fearlessness, by the way, does not mean absence of fear. It, it means having fear, but looking it in the face and proceeding anyway. So, you know, is there, is there a certain mindset? It could be resiliency. It could be just about anything. Is there something that has really, you know, empowered you to keep going and get where you are today? You know, there has been, and, and in a single word for me, it is resilience because something that is resilient has had to develop a strength, a bounce back, regardless of the setbacks encountered, regardless of the failures. You know, you can't fear failure, Um, (laughs) right? Failure is a part of the learning process. In fact, it was when I would, you know, felt like I had failed and dropped the ball and oh my goodness, that I found something else that was another level deeper inside of me that was like, get up. You're not done yet. There's more to accomplish. There are others that are still waiting for you. And I truly believe that part of my leadership legacy is about being a light. Yeah. And I have one of the quotes that I love the most that I actually have it tacked up. I look at it all day, every day. It's like, it says, be the light, not the judge. 
Um, and I get that constant reminder. So I love that. I love what you're saying. And when it comes to the topic of the great renegotiation for women, can you chat a little bit about that and about all of the amazing things that you're able to accomplish at Women in Revenue? Absolutely. I mean, when you're thinking about the renegotiation and thinking in terms are of what are the things that I need to be able to um, bring my highest best and to be able to make sure that I'm able to make maximum impact to be able to bring and deliver the best outcomes for the business while caring, right? For myself and those who are connected to me at women in revenue, we have um, currently three core programs. We have mentorship, right? And if you go back to one of those top five challenges, it was network and mentorship was a big piece, right? Mm -hmm. So we have this mentorship piece. We also recognize how important it is, particularly for women to own their voice, their personal brand and their presence and the impact that that has on career trajectory, right? So then we have a speaker's bureau, but it is not just about placing you to go speak because we support women at every stage of their career. We have speaker training. We have um, a, an internal platform that we're able to do placement on so that we can help newer speakers hone their skills and get the experience. But then we also have the third party event placement, right? We're really looking to support that piece of personal development and visibility and amplification. And then we have our equity resource program. I'm super excited about that because that content, we support our sponsors and our corporates with helping them to rethink their cultural space so that they can enhance on three core pillars. And that is gender-based, women-focused type of issues, diversity, equity, and, inclu and inclusion. So think about, to your point, even further more marginalized folks and how a corporate structure can rethink its cultural space for that. And then allyship, because, you know, I had a dear friend say to me that the lone wolf will starve, but the pack will eat, right? Mm -hmm. We need allies. We're not going to change this by ourselves. And it's not about an us versus them or that. It is about how do we find those bridges that bring us together? How can those who sit in seats of power or potentially have um, more privilege and access, how can you use that to bring others up? And it's very important with women in revenue that we not just, you know, support women, grow, educate, amplify women without also making sure that we're partnered with corporates, mm -hmm. right? Because it's going to take all of us. It's going to take the entire village to make the world better. A hundred percent. I amplify that a hundred percent. Like I said, it's going to take the entire world to uh, the entire village to help improve the world. And Deanna Ransom, I am so grateful for all the amazing work that you're doing to help make this happen. It's been an absolute honor to interview you. I look forward also to a collaboration on an upcoming events and I look forward to following you in the future. Thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you, Cheryl. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow or subscribe to the Limitless Leader podcast with Cheryl Klein on whatever podcast platform you use. We'll let you know every time we release a new episode. And if you really enjoyed what you've heard so far, rate and review us too. That's one of the best ways that you can support us and make sure that this podcast keeps going. And also, I offer a significant library of free mental toughness and high-performance videos, worksheets, tips, and other helpful content on my website at www.cherylkline.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Cheryl Klein, and I look forward to having you back next time. And remember, you're only limited by what you think is possible. Cheering you on always.